for this man and for many of us, suffering and uh, brutal unfairness can seem incompatible with the reality of a kind, loving, heavenly father. Yet he is real. He is kind. And he loves each of his children perfectly. This dichotomy is as old as mankind and cannot be explained in a simple soundbite or on a bumper sticker. Aloha and welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin and I am your host coming from a rainy Southern California. We have finally received rain and it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm so grateful to Heavenly Father for his mercy in hearing and answering our prayers. So this week I decided to do the episode on being better versus bitter. And one of the reasons why I decided to pick this topic is I just a lot of the things that I'm dealing with in my own personal life, but also kind of reflecting on what others are dealing with in their lives as well. Um, So is bitterness a choice when you feel as if you have done all you can do that's within your power to give yourself a life of better, better meaning contentment, better meaning peace, letting go of what we cannot control and being okay with it. Better meaning that we use our faith first when faced with life-altering challenges or even the daily bumps in the road instead of murmuring. You know, murmuring, just like they talk about in chapter 1 of Nephi in the Book of Mormon. Oh, how easy it is to murmur, isn't it? But what are the results or consequences of giving in to that all-too-often desire to whine and complain, to question and doubt? Oftentimes, just as when people say, you made me angry, we can feel as if circumstances have made us bitter, and it's not our fault. Like I said, there's so much out of our control, and I do my utmost best to control what's within my sphere of responsibility. But let's face it, even then, so much is out of our control still. How do we find peace with it and the trials that will and do come? It's a tough conversation to have with others or even with yourself. I heard a saying once, put your head down and push through it. In other words, don't think, just do until it passes. I often overanalyze situations in my life, and I think a lot of us do that, which typically in my experience creates more headache and frankly, a lot more drama. I've noticed when I tackle the heart of my life with faith, there isn't so much drama or even so many headaches, at least to the degree, if I lean upon my wisdom and understanding, there may be. 
It's in the leaning upon the wisdom and perfect understanding of God, our omniscient Father in heaven and Christ, our loving advocate and Savior, that we can find peace in the midst of the tempests. Peace even when everything around you would tell you there is no peace and that there is no calm. And this is what the gospel of Jesus Christ offers. But how do we use it to reconcile the very hard and difficult that we find in our lives? For me, there are many solutions, such as service, prayer, studying, seeking, pondering, choosing to be hopeful, and looking up. Looking up and leaning upon the Lord just seems to make everything better. However, we will not escape the inevitable refiner's fire moments meant to ready us and consecrate us to be presented on Judgment Day. I wanted to share a list of 10 things that you can do to overcome bitterness. Um, This is a non-LDS website that I came across through my research, and I really like their 10 suggestions. I think some of their suggestions are things that we find within the gospel, um, and they may be repetitive, but as we know, we learn and grow our testimony in the reminders and in repetition, and I would like to share that with you now. So number one is to choose joy. I'm not talking about happiness. There is a distinct difference between the two. Um, Happiness is an outward expression while joy is an inward decision. Happiness is a reaction to what's going on around us and joy is a conscious choice that no matter what happens, you will rise above. Choosing joy will transform the way that you live and it will allow you to see beyond your circumstance to what really matters. Number two is to grieve, but get back up. I've talked about this before, is that we need to give ourselves a a moment to, to grieve, to have that moment of being disappointed um, and just being sad or sorrowful. But we must always get back up. We know that those feelings of grief is a normal response to a hard or tragic situation. And it is okay to cry. It's okay to scream. It's even okay to get angry for a moment. Grief is healthy. Be sad, be upset, be hurt, but don't stay there. Walk through those feelings, but make sure you continue to walk. Don't stop. Don't give up in the middle of your grief because it can swallow you whole. When you've finished, you keep pushing on. And you let it go because grief will paralyze you. If you want things to get better, feel it and follow through. Get back up. I like in the scriptures how it always talks about this too shall pass. Grief will pass as well. Number three, pick your friends wisely. Some friends serendipitously fall into our lives while others are hard earned. And remember, you are who you surround yourself with. If bitter Betty is your bestie, her bitterness will most definitely rub off on you. So be mindful of how your friends make you feel. I know that people around me, if they tend to be negative in the way they think and talk and, you know, everything's just always negative. There's no hope. There's no um, uplifting. There's no... uh, just looking forward to the future, being positive, that can really drag you down. 
And so it's important that we are very wise in the friends that we pick. We want to find friends who help to lift us up, who make us better versions of ourselves. Number four is keep the faith. No matter your religion or beliefs, we need to have faith. Faith that is going to get easier. Faith that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Without belief in something, there cannot be a belief in anything. My faith in God rescued me from bitterness. He is our strength. He will make a way. We need to have faith where you are now and where we will always be. We must have faith. Five is to have hope. We must never lose hope. Similar to faith, we always have to have hope because hopelessness is a breeding ground for bitterness. Those who give up hope often fester and that festering turns into bitterness until the very end. When everything else fades away, hope will be your anchor. When catastrophe comes, hope will be the gentle salve that heals your wounds. You know, we have the awesome example of two civilizations in the Book of Mormon. One that has the gospel, the other does not. Who becomes bitter? Who becomes hard? We need to be very careful about becoming bitter and hard-hearted. That hardness that they talk about in the scriptures. Number six, we definitely need to be intentional. Don't drift. Complacency leads to dissatisfaction and resentment. Without intent, we become victims and we fall prey to our tragedy. We want to make sure that we are not falling into that victim mentality because that is a guarantee for bitterness. We need to maintain some level of normalcy and be very intentional about how we spend our days. Number seven is find the lesson. We need to find the lesson and the experience. Though it may be the proverbial needle in a haystack, you can find lessons in your tragedy. I'm not referring to the reason why the tragedy happened, but rather the wisdom that you can glean from it. Because every struggle can teach you something. Number eight count your blessings. This is one of the biggest things that I do every single day, several times a day, because it's easy to focus on the negative and the middle of a misfortune. Remember that life hasn't always been and won't always be difficult. We all have reasons to be thankful. When we focus on positive things in our lives, we shield ourselves against bitterness and blessings block bitterness. Number nine, we need to get healthy. Getting healthy and staying healthy affects us emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. We all feel better when we feel better. When physically weak, get emotionally strong. When emotionally weak, go to the gym and grow those muscles. Pay attention to what you're putting into your body and eat what gives you life. For you truly are what you eat. It affects everything in your body. Uh, Number 10 is we need to help others. And we know that service is central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your tragedy gives you insight to what others may be experiencing. And be what you needed when you were thrown a curveball from someone else. 
Serving others gives us an outward perspective and allows us to see life from a more, let's say, peaceful perspective, even though it might be difficult, a more contentment perspective. There will always be someone else who has it worse. Reaching out and lending a helping hand betters not only you, but the ones that you're serving. It's a win-win all the way through. So is bitterness a choice? What do you think? I wanted to share a story and an example that I had from my life this week. I had my grandson for a few days. My son and his girlfriend came to our home for Mother's Day with the baby and they arrived on Friday evening of last week. The parents departed Sunday afternoon and I kept my grandson until Wednesday and we had a great time. It was such a, I love having my family here in Ventura at our home. Um, it's such such a healing balm for everything that we're dealing with in the world as to be able to rejuvenate and recharge our batteries with the laughter and love that can be shared amongst family. I do have a very strong relationship with the mother of my grandchild who I totally look to as my daughter. We have really conquered and overcome some difficulties in our relationship as we get to know each other and get to understand one another. We are very close and we work well together. There's a mutual respect there. Now on Wednesday, traveling over the grapevine here in Southern California, we were stuck in traffic. There was a collision of some sort for an hour and 20 minutes. And during this time, it was hot. I had only a quarter tank of gas and I was going to fill up when I got off the mountain. And yet here we were running the AC, sitting and sitting and sitting some more. At one point, I had to turn off the car for fear of running out of gas. Side note, I was thoroughly prompted to get gas before I left by the spirit through a niggling in my mind. And I ignored that niggling because I wanted to get on the road. I drive this route every other week and have done it for 10 years. I know every bump in the road, every pit stop and gas station I feel safe at, and even where CHP likes to wait and catch when speeding. I should have listened to that prompting because now I found myself stuck in the heat with a five-month-old who was hangry, tired, and wanted out of his seat. He is only okay when we are driving and moving. But sitting, oh heck no, that kid was giving it to us good with his cries, and I don't blame him. I was ready to complain and scream myself. It was just a situation that was just a cluster of one mistake after another that day. Finally, after about 15 minutes, I pulled him out of his car seat. I took a pic of the traffic and then a pic of my grandson sitting on my lap, sent them both to mom, who promptly told me she wanted him back in his car seat, even after I explained the situation. At this point, there were people getting out of their cars, going to the side of the road to go to the restroom, others driving down the shoulder to bypass the lane and travel back south instead of north, people getting out of their cars to retrieve stuff from their trunks. It was lunchtime. I saw people pulling snacks out of their trunks. Who knows how long those in front of us had even been waiting. They were there a lot longer than I was. And it was a situation, that's for sure. 
and I made a judgment call that my grandson's mom did not like, which I didn't know that she wouldn't trust me in my decisions to take care of him while he's in my charge in any set of circumstances. Now she's a new mom and therefore very overprotective, which I knew and I understand because I know her really well, having been there myself at one time. His mom was blowing up my phone left and right with text messages and boy was she giving it to me good about how I was being irresponsible. And that exacerbated the situation while holding a baby who would only be content in my arms while we sat and waited for the go-ahead to finally move, at which time my son, who was with me and is 26 years old, would put the baby back in his car seat and buckle him up. We had it all worked out. But his mom, who was not with us, nor understood the gravity of the situation, was lambasting me about my decisions. And you know what? She's a young mother. Um, She hasn't had a lot of life experience and I knew what I was dealing with and it was just hard. It was a very difficult situation to be put in. I finally had to block her because she wouldn't stop texting my phone and blowing it up and she was just making the situation so much worse. I needed to focus on the baby. He was crying. He was hungry. He needed his diaper change and that's where my attention needed to be. I was already dealing with so much and was so anxious to get to Fresno to have some downtime with my son, my daughter-in-law, and my grandson. We would be together as a family and hang out and laugh. I needed to laugh because laugh is so, laughing is so healing and I need it desperately. And then I would hit the road to return home. And this is what I do to see my grandson. I don't mind the drive at all. For those of you who think I'm crazy, I get that all the time, but I knew once I moved here that I would be making this drive often because I'm very, very close to my family. Finally, after we started moving, I had two hours to work through my feelings, which unfortunately, because of the things that I've been going through the last few weeks, were very raw and thin. I am stretched farther than I have to give and continue to be stretched. I am in complete survival mode at this point and still am while even recording this episode. I am fighting to endure. I've put my helmet on and put my head down to push through, but I am truly struggling and it is manifesting itself physically. My back is so tight it hurts. I have Charlie horses under my shoulder blades. I've been getting headaches. I was running a fever on Wednesday. I woke up with a kink in my neck on Thursday. Now, this isn't just because of my grandson's mom. This is also because of my life. There's so much going on in my life, so much caregiving, um, also the mental illness that fills our home and all I do to tend to my family, to serve them, to fight for our livelihood and our eternal spiritual well-being. But it is taking its toll. It's exacting its price and I'm suffering. I feel so tired and exhausted. The doctor said I need sleep, which is very hard to get with a husband who has severe OCD. Remember, OCD is a taskmaster. And even though I am down and I'm hurting, the OCD doesn't care, nor does it make room for me. The OCD is very self-involved and I don't really have anyone to look after me, to take care of me to help, to give back empathy and compassion, etc. For I am alone. I'm truly alone. 
going back to my trip whilst taking my grandson home, I still had two hours in the car and I simply broke down and it felt good to get it out. I cried and I cried and then I cried some more. I could not control it because I felt so defeated and so deflated. Even trying to tell myself, God doesn't give me any more than I can handle. I just was not believing it. I was thinking, here I do so much for my family as any caring mother would do and as we are taught in the gospel. I try so very hard to have boundaries and to find time for myself to rejuvenate through spiritual edification. I really do work hard to hold on to that thread that keeps me tethered so tightly to the Lord. But there are, quite frankly and truthfully, days when I want to throw in the towel. I'm sharing this because I want you to know I'm real. I am genuine. I am being open. And I deal with distractions too. Hardships, challenges, just like everyone else. I get angry and frustrated. And oh, how easy it would be to become bitter. So why don't I become bitter? I'm not going to lie. I do have my moments. I really do. But I have witnessed and seen bitter people. I've lived with them and I was one of them at one time in my life. I know from personal experience how ugly it can make a person and how devastating it is to spiritual growth and maturity. I have to feel the spirit in my life for without it I am done. Over. Finito. I don't want to become those examples of bitterness and age into a grumpy old lady who is so negative no one wants to be around me and I'll be alone. I truly want to reflect the glad tidings that come from being in the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I have to make a choice. Choose bitter or better. What do you choose? Food for thought. Jeffrey R. Holland said, The formula of faith is to hold on, work on, see it through, and let the distress of the early hours, real or imagined, fall away in the final reward. I love Jeffrey R. Holland. He is so empathetic and compassionate, but very real and to the point. There was a letter that was written by a student at BYU University that I wanted to share. And he says, hey, Dad, in my Book of Mormon class this week, we were reading in Alma 62. In verse 41, it talks about how the great length of the war between the Nephites and Lamanites causes some people to become very hardened in their hearts, but also caused other people to become very softened because of their trials and caused them to be humble before God. Brother Griffin, the Book of Mormon teacher, made a point that it was their choice to choose if they became hardened by their afflictions or softened by their afflictions. I can see now how much relevance this has in our world today. When we are put in a situation, we can choose to look on the bright side or the miserable side of it. If we are given a trial, we can choose to say, woe is me and be bitter or choose to learn from it and become better. Heavenly Father put us on this earth to be tested, and I think it's important that we always keep that in mind when we are having a hard time. 
I know especially need to in my life because I sometimes get in a slump. It is of the utmost importance that I keep a positive perspective and realize that the reason I have these trials is because my Heavenly Father loves me. When I really dive into them, it is amazing to see how much I learn instead of just skimming the surface. So, what do you think about bitter or better being a choice? Do you believe it? Do we allow the whims, cares, and actions of others to make us bitter, leaving us feeling as if we had no choice in the matter? Truly, you can be bitter or you can be better. And it is up to you and to me. Another story I would like to share is from a young woman. And she says, No one was a better example of choosing betterment over bitterness than my own grandmother. At the age of 45, she lost her husband. A high school dropout, she had no degree. Her own parents were both deceased, and her two children were grown and out of the house. I cannot imagine how lonely and scared she must have felt. It would have been so easy for her to bitterly wonder why such a horrible thing had to happen to her. She was a less than middle-aged widow. No one can plan for something so devastating. But instead of succumbing to her grief, she moved forward with faith. Rather than spending her time sulking, which I'm 100% sure is what I would have done, she spent the 35 remaining years of her life serving. She taught me so much about loving the Savior and following His example, something she couldn't have done effectively if she had spent her life in a state of bitterness. In my own life, I much less gracefully attempt to overcoming feelings of resentment and anger at life's unfair realities. I've learned firsthand and had it reaffirmed time and again that being bitter never ends well for anyone. One of the most beautiful verses in all the scripture informs us, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And that's Revelations chapter 21 verse 4. Nothing bad in life is permanent because of Jesus Christ's atonement. All that is unfair about life can be made right. And the challenges and trials we unfairly face are not going to remain with us throughout the eternities, but the people that we choose to become, that will remain with us for better or for worse. Luckily, no one else gets to choose the person that you become. You and only you have total control over who you are tomorrow and forever. And that's the end of that her story. And, you know, it's just a great reminder. We need to always be brought back into remembrance. This is a gospel of reminders. Heavenly Father knew that we would need constant reminders. And bitterness or betterment, it is a choice. Joseph B. Worthlin so wisely recounted, I know why there must be opposition in all things. Adversity, if handled correctly, can be a blessing in our lives, and we can learn to love it. Is Elder Worthlin asking too much there? I'm feeling like he's asking too much there, but I don't doubt him. I'm a believer, and I trust him. So, I'm going to start learning to love 
the adversity. I think I already started that a while ago. I'm not perfect at it every time. I have my ups and downs. But it's something that's going to be a lifelong endeavor for me. Going back to my story and situation, the bitterness for me was the mom of my grandson not trusting me to take care of him. And then, of course, inevitably the way that she handled it. I felt wronged and completely misunderstood. And honestly, I felt like, how dare she not trust me to take the best of care with my grandson? I would do anything for him, including die for him if it called for it. Yes, I was patient at first. Yes, I understand she's a new mom and this is her first baby, so I totally get being overprotective. I I understand. As a matter of fact, my first license plate frame ever given to me as a gift said Dylan and Cody's mama bear. I guess that's why I felt so offended by her lambasting me about my grandson's safety. I felt like you either trust me or you don't and I won't be micromanaged. See, I can see my own pride. It's so easy to be on the outside of a situation looking in and telling people what to do to have judgments and opinions, but it's not so easy to be living in the situation and knowing the answer is truly different from an outsider's perspective because in my eyes, there was no need to keep him in the car seat when the car is off and we aren't moving anywhere. Thankfully, I had lots of time to decide my approach to this when I saw her. To drop off my grandson, that was a concern for me. Is this going to be something that's dragged on or is it something that we can work through? And I wanted to take the high road and to do what my Savior's example has taught me, which is to lead by example and to love. To forgive and forget, for that is what Christ does for us when we repent. And I also know beyond any doubt that Christ had already paid for any transgression that transpired between she and I. And at this point, does it really matter who's right? Or is it more important that we do what it takes to nurture the family? Let's choose to be better and not bitter. I think this might be my new motto. With all of that shared, these are my thoughts as I have prayerfully turned to the Lord to help me handle it in a way that is pleasing to Him and would be good for my family, but also to lead by example. You can never go wrong following the Lord So please accept the invitation that he gives to all to come follow me. The gospel has answers for all behavioral issues and imperfections. You will never go wrong applying the gospel to any situation that you're given. It's like that somewhat old saying, what would Jesus do? Instead, I ask, what would Jesus have me to do to lead this family and to return home? The atonement is key to finding peace. The atonement is empowering. It empowers us to forgive. It empowers us to understand Christ's authority and all that he has done and sacrificed for us. It helps me to find peace in situations where I feel wronged and it helps me to let it go so that we can have a prosperity in our future within the family. According to the gospel, bitter feelings are 100% escapable And we don't have to be imprisoned by the bitterness that we can create within ourselves. And this is the great news. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 32 through 33, it says, Actually, those are verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That kindness, hope, charity, and service that we always hear about, these are the answers to choosing better over bitter. And let us remember to follow the teachings of Christ, even if we may not understand why or what it happened or when the other person will get their karma. Let us take a few steps back and honor the glory of God. By doing so, we can allow him and Christ to fairly and equitably work with those who are hard to love, those who have wronged us deeply in one way or another. And all answers and peace always come through Christ. Do not lean onto your own understanding. Use your faith to have peace and joy in your life. And then please lead your family. I hope that this episode and the things that we've discussed and talked about has helped you in some way. We are truly living in the latter days. We've all got a lot going on. And this, I believe, is Lucifer's great way to keep us distracted from the things that are most important. So... We need to live live the gospel in our lives so that we don't have these distractions which will take us off that straight and narrow path back home. And I leave this with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And please, please, please remember to be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And until next week, God bless and much love.